Good morning, people listening out there in podcast land. This is the People First Podcast, and today I've got a very special guest in Chris Masterton. Now, friend of mine, for how many years have we been friends for now, Chris? Uh, I think three or four. Three or four years. Yeah. Now, Chris does a lot of CrossFit work here with us. He's... Um, you know, very, very, very consistent with his health and fitness. And I remember a little while ago, I was chatting to Chris about what he did outside of CrossFit, what he did outside of the training sessions that we were doing. And he got talking uh, a little uh, a little about Chris's, I'm going to let Chris fill us in on, on sort of a bit about his life. Um, so I don't ruin it all and get all the dates wrong and all the things he does that he, uh, that he wants to share with you guys. So let me actually just pass it over to you, Chris. What do you do? How old are you? How you got kids? You got a family? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, thanks, Shane. I am thirty something years old. Um, you know, you stop counting when you get to thirty. <laughs> it's just thirty something. Um, and I do a lot of things. Actually, I bought a list for you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, for a full time job, um, I work in the software industry. Um, so, I design and support software for the childcare industry specifically. And uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm a father of two boys um, and they keep me very busy. <laughs> and on top of that as well, I'm a, an amateur graphic designer. Um, so I like doing a lot of stuff on the computer and uh, I also write as well. So I write and self-publish uh, science fiction. And you've got how many published books? Uh, three. Wow. Currently working on the fourth. Wow, so good. Do you want to drop the name so people can have a look around? Yeah, it's called History of Soul. Now, I remember hearing about this ages ago. And so what, where did, what is the end goal for that? Is it like four books and that's it or is it? We've got 14 planned in the series. Wow, how cool. And because we only do it part-time, it takes us two years to uh, write, edit and publish each book. Um, so it's a long-term goal uh, project. Um, have, you, have you always been a writer or something that you just sort of? No, I wouldn't say I have. Um, I've always been a daydreamer. Yep. <laughs> so lots of ideas. That's sort of the same thing. Um, the only difference is now I write them down. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I, one of my goals, long term, you know, I'm someone who has lots of little goals here and there. It would be to write something in the fitness and health space at some point, or you know, I don't, I don't have a, a probably a, a great imagination like you would. Uh, you know, being able to write all that science fiction stuff would be you know a big challenge for me, but. Uh, yeah, I love spreading the knowledge and, and stories and stuff, so that'd be cool. Now, what else do you do, bud? You, so you're an author, you're a dad, you work in uh, in graphic design and uh, program? Yep. Uh, oh, no, I don't program. I just design no. yep. um, I design modules and features um, for our software um, and then, you know, test them through the implementation process and um, talk users through how to use them and all that sort of thing, so... Um, yeah, that's, that's sort of my professional life. Um, and also in my past professional life, I was a chef. Um, and so that's that's actually sort of how I got involved with um, another project that I work on weekly, um, which is the uh, Mamalana's Community Foundation uh, as a volunteer. And that was uh, what we got talking to. I remember I was training Chris and uh, I sort of said, what are you up to tonight? And you hit me back with, oh, I'm going to head out to Mamalana's uh, kitchen and, and start serving and... And I was like, well, I don't understand anything about that. Can you tell me a little bit about Mama Lana's setup? Yeah, so um, Mama Lana's, uh, we've actually got a house uh, in Woodruff Street, um, which is known as the Little White House. And from that house, we actually do a meal service six nights a week. Um, now, pre-COVID, uh, obviously, we have people come and sit down and, um, you know, they could chat and it was a safe place for them to 
uh, sit and enjoy a hot meal and get clothes and other resources that they needed. Um, and there was also two drop-in days as well during the week that they could come and have showers, get fresh clothes for interviews, talk to people. Um, and it's a, a really good community environment. Now, obviously, COVID hit and um, currently we're just doing takeaway meals. Um, but that's sort of the, the primary focus of uh, Mamalana's is to uh, feed people who are either homeless or just generally in need. Um, you know, sometimes you're living in commission housing and, um, you know, you're living either paycheck to by paycheck or sometimes they're not getting any sort of or a lot of government assistance in general. Mm. Um, and they're just trying to battle to stay alive. And some of them have, you know, mental health concerns and uh, others are just, you know, hit a rough patch in life and just uh, need a bit of a helping hand. So that's sort of what our uh, what the mission statement is all about. Um, the the logo is kindness without strings, and um, you know I think that says a lot. It has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. Um, to me, um, obviously, it's just about that that sense of giving without asking for anything back. Yep. Um, you know, I don't want to obviously name anyone, but there's a lot of organisations out there where, you know, they're backed by a, a religious organisation or something like that. And it's always like, well, and it's probably not the case, but you always think, well, if I go there and get a free meal, do I have to listen to them talk about God? Yeah, so it can be kind of like, here's the kindness, but there's this slight expectation of um, going through, say, almost, well, yeah. So it's one of those things like, you know, you're saying it, it may be implied mm. uh, and it may not be but yeah. you know sometimes you think well sometimes people aren't in the proper space to even take in some of that information they might be getting and without having any strings just coming down and, and having a meal and, and just feeling safe and comfortable without having to give back in any way shape or form yeah i think it says a lot about the motivations as well um behind it like it's not we're not doing it because um you know anyone told us to do it um we're not doing it because of any um influences other than it's the right thing to do um, and it's just what is needed. And how many people do you work with? Like on a like, is it, is this a big thing? There are, are there lots of people like there's exactly like yourself who volunteer, or is there like a hardwired crew that get helped out? Or yeah, I mean it's a massive organisation. There's a lot of volunteers involved, uh, which is fantastic. Um, and the people that I work with are absolutely incredible. And that's a big part of what makes it amazing to deal with is uh, the people that you get to work alongside and the selflessness of those people. Um, and, you know, they just they come there week after week and do their best, do their bit, and do what they can to help out. Um, so that that's a big thing for me, uh, why I like to do it, um, is just the other people involved. Now is, there, um, is there any sort of commitment that you have to go, like, is there a, do you have a schedule, um, or do you just volunteer randomly, or what, what sort of situation do you, do you have as a setup? Um, yeah, so I, I do it weekly. Uh -huh. um, so could you, could you do it more or is it like just once a week or could you go every day? or? Well, at, at the moment there's a couple of restrictions in place about only doing one night a week obviously to um, limit cross-contact with yeah. <laughs> COVID. But yep. yeah, I mean certainly if um, outside of um, these strange circumstances that we live in, there's, there's certainly um, there's people that are just on the casual roster where if someone, a regular person calls in sick or can't make it for whatever reason, um, then usually there's a, pace, a post in the Facebook group asking for someone to fill in. 
And what, what was your initial attraction to doing that? Um, obviously, you've got a busy life, buddy. You, you work a full working week. You've got two kids. You've got a wife. Um, you know, that's a, that's a lot of responsibility in itself. What pushed you to take on, to take on something like this? What was it within you that meant, you know what, I need, I need, to, go do, I need to go do this? Yeah, I, I think um, for me, you know, there's a saying that a community is only as strong as its weakest member. Um, and it, with that in mind, I, you know, I just sort of thought, well, what can I be doing to strengthen the community around myself? I think if I was in that position where I needed help, mm. I'd like to think that I had somewhere that I had somewhere that I could go, that I could be welcomed, uh, be not judged, and get a hot meal or help or whatever I needed. Um, and I thought, well, if if I want that, you know, when I need it then I need to be able to provide that to others when they need it. Yeah. And so that was sort of the motivations behind why I started and why I keep doing it as well. And do you, do you get to de- develop a bit of a rapport with the people? Is it the same people that come through week after week or is it, you know, um, sort of just, just you don't see that someone for a while? Like, is it the same faces or...? Yeah, definitely. There's a bit of both. Um, we do see, obviously, we have our regulars. Um, and, you know, it's great to see them week after week. Um, you know, they come through and, you know, we can usually have a bit of a chat to them and see how they're going and all that sort of stuff. Um, just touch base, give them a friendly smile. And yeah, other times you, you, you get a few that will come and go or, um, you know, you'll see them once and then never see them again. So um, you definitely get a bit from both sides. Is it, um, I don't know, I feel like it would be something for me that would, it would make me extremely, I know, and like, I'd be kind of sad, right? I, I'd be like, oh, you know, I want to do more. Like, I'm giving them a hot meal and, and, you know, you're doing your best. And it's not that I'm, I'm feeling sorry for their situation, but I would be very, very sad because you would know that once this meal is done, you know, what happens next? What happens? What what's so when they leave here, some of them don't have anywhere to live. Some people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, there are services available. Um, we try to push them in the right direction for um, applying for housing. Um, and you know, there's even temporary relief accommodation that they can get often. But some of them don't want that necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think some of them, you know, their their heads maybe not necessarily in the right space for them to. Um, approach that and so all you can do really is just to try and make them comfortable you know i think having food in your belly and a warm blanket to sit under at night even if you're sleeping under the stars or under a bridge or um, in a car park i think that makes a huge difference just knowing that there's people out there that actually cared enough to do that for you now is it um is it just in penrith that they do this or is this where so let's you got the house Mm. that's the fixed standalone sort of the, the little white house is that where you referred to it yeah um, is there anything, because was it not a van before that? Did I not, was there not like a food service with a van that was before the house was developed? What was before that? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it all started um, in a car park. Um, it started in about 2013. Um, it was founded by Lana and Roger Borg. And they actually started off cooking for the uh, firefighters when they were, um, we had those big fires in the Blue Mountains. And they started just volunteering there to help feed them. Like they just did barbecues and stuff. And um, then they got asked to do, I think it was a Christmas a dinner for the homeless. Uh, I think um, Vinny's asked them to do it out, out the back in their car park. 
and I think they were blown away by the amount of people that turned up, the amount of people that are homeless or in need and had nowhere to go on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. And that's been another, you know, of the cornerstones of, of Mamalana's is um, the big Christmas um, feast that they put on every year. You know, when they could be at home with their families and, and loved ones, they're, uh, they're out feeding the community and everyone who doesn't have somewhere to go. And I, I think that's amazing and it's, it's really special. Um, and that in itself is a big inspiration for me. So, um, yeah, to, uh, I guess to go from there, um, uh, once they realised that there was a big amount of people that needed feeding on a regular basis, um, they just kept doing the car park. And um, it started off as uh, we called under the bridge. <laughs> that's where we were. Um, it was under that bridge that was there near Target, yep. uh, which isn't there anymore. Um, but that's when I started doing it. Uh, I think that was back in 2014 um, that I started. And then from there we moved into another car park. We sort of got moved along. And, um, and after being there for a year, it, it then moved into the permanent premise. But, yeah, when we were in the car park, we had to take everything with us, set it up. We cooked out of a barbecue trailer. And um, usually people were cooking out of their home kitchens as well and bringing stuff along. Yep. Um, and, yeah, we'd, we'd set up the tables, we'd serve everything, we'd clean down, pack up and go home. Mm, that's um, a massive. So <laughs> it, was a big, it was a big thing. So having the, having the perm- permanent setup um, does make things a lot easier in that regards. How is all this funded, Chris? Like, so who, so who funds the house? And I mean, obviously, someone owns it. Someone needs to pay off the the mortgage of it and stuff. Or yeah, so I mean, the, the 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 premise that we're in now is currently rented. It's a commercial uh, agreement, um, but it's all community funded. So it's all funded by um, donations from um, you know, people, individuals like you and me. Um, that give generously to uh, Mamalanas, but uh, also there's a, a bunch of corporate uh, sponsors as well that um, that I think give money towards the foundation. Uh, it's actually backed by, um, it's called Turn the Tables, uh, which is the foundation which funds um, the, you know, keeps the lights on basically, pays the rent, keeps lo- pays the utilities, um, uh, gives us the ability to buy things that we need to, continue the service do you know how much it costs sort of weekly to run to run something like mamalana's is there is it just is it out there for the public to sort of because i imagine that would be an extremely huge expense you know just keeping the house open let alone the like you said the utilities and then having to stock things that people may need you know blankets clothes you know soap just in general things that people need the necessities of life yeah, I, I don't have an exact figure, but it's certainly not cheap. <laughs> I could only imagine that would be through the roof. But it's really good that it's community-driven and, you know, you've got a few people that are backing it in, in regards to keeping things open and running for, for them. Yeah. Because is there anything else out there like that? I don't think that – I think I feel like Mamalanas is one of the only ones that sort of uh, – that I know of anyway that is that is similar. Is there, are there other – There's definitely other ones out there. Um, I think there is one other meal service in Penrith. Okay. Um. And, yeah, there's, there's various other groups, obviously, around. This isn't a local problem by any means. Um, you know, I think it's Australia-wide. Every city has it. You'd notice it more if you go, you know, the further you go into the city, obviously, you see people sitting on the sidewalks. And, yep. you know, it's harder to ignore in those sort of places mm. um, than it is here. Like, I never realised. Um, I've been living in 
Penrith for 10 years now and I never realised until I started doing this, you know, how many people were out there that lived like that. Yeah. Um, so it was a real eye-opener to me. Now, I remember a few years ago I was talking to um, a friend of mine about um, his trip into the city, right? Now you speak that reminds me of a story. Um, and he used to always walk the same route to work, get off the bus uh, and or the train, I think it was, walk from the station to where he was working. And he would pass this specific guy over and over and over again. And, and I think, um, although it's obvious, it seems that so many people turn a bl- blind eye uh, to the help that's needed. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear as day because someone's sitting on a street with a sign or, or looking out of place is so obvious, but yet so many people walk past. And I remember him saying that he used to stop every day and just have a five to ten minute chat. Like he would stop, ha- say, how are you going? You know, just a simple chat. And it used to change uh, change his day because he felt like that first part of the morning was a good connection with another human being. Yep. And he he kind of asked the guy, he said, you know, so how did you, how did you get in the middle of, you know, I think it was like Martin Place um, in this position? Like what happened? And, um, and he said something to my friend that, that stuck with me ever since. And he said that it was a whole bunch of stuff that happened within a couple of weeks of each um, circumstance falling into his lap. For example, he lost his job. Um, his wife left him, took, took the kids. So now he has no income. He has no family, to, no support network. Um, I think he had uh, a whole bunch of bills and things that he just became consumed by and uh, he got evicted. And so he had not only lost his job, his family, he lost his, his space where it was his own. He couldn't afford to live anywhere. And, and, you know, his car was where he was living out of. And then eventually, you know, you can't fuel it. You can't pay the rego, you can't drive it. He loses his car and he says it just kept happening. There was nothing that stopped that that perpetual shitstorm, <laughs> you know, like he yep. just kept getting hit over and over again. And he said that the sad thing is, and and what I'm relating for this story to what you said is that, you know, if it happened to you, you would want to know that there was somewhere that you could go. And it reminds me that every single day we wake up, we sometimes take what we've got in our lives for granted. And that if a whole bunch of stuff just happens to us one after the other, we could be in the exact same position. It, it could easily happen to anyone. And that that is something that I now, knowing that, and hopefully this story, sharing this with others, your story and the story that I just shared, will help people go, you know what, that's 100% right. Now, and I want to find a way to be the strongest link in my community so that we're, we aren't weak and our community as a whole is very strong what would be a way for someone stepping up and they go, you know what, that makes so much sense to me. I want to step up and I want to do more for the community. I want to do more for people that need uh, my help. What would be an avenue? What avenue did you take to get involved with Mamalanas? Yeah, so there's actually, there's a couple of really good ways that people can get involved. Um, And, you know, volunteering is one of the best ways um, because, you know, you don't need to provide any money or you don't necessarily even have to have a lot of skills. It's just giving some of your time, which is um, something that we both have a lot of and not enough of, (laughs) which is kind of ironic. But, um, yeah, just getting involved as a volunteer. Um, So you can go to the web page. Um, There is, I've got it here, uh, mamalanas.org.au or even find us on Facebook, uh, Mamalanas Community Foundation on Facebook. 
uh, get in touch with someone. On the website, there's actually some forms that you can fill in to even just do a uh, trial session, um, which sounds a bit funny. But yeah, it's, it's basically just a waiver to say that yeah, I want to come along and just give it a try and see what it's like. Um, you know, give up one evening just to see how the other half lives or how, you know, the other side lives um, and what sort of people come along. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's a big eye-opener. Um, and some people then sign up and, and keep doing it. Um, others don't, which is fine. But I, I think it's good just to even come along just for the awareness, just to know that, yeah, there are people out there that are living like that and that need help. And, you know, oftentimes there's something that we can do to help uh, even if it's just a small thing. Uh, the other way as well is, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, like the page and um, follow Mamalanas. Uh, so they're often doing call-outs for like food or blankets or clothes, things that we need to keep operating and running, yeah. which is really great if the community can get involved, spread awareness, and just provide what you can when you can. And uh, the third way is obviously to actually join up if you don't necessarily have a lot of time, but maybe you have, um, you know, some financial... Um, backing that you can help provide um, become a turn the tables partner um, and it's I think a three-year commitment of a um, it's not a lot of money to to join that um, but it just it it's a commitment that basically means we can keep running keep the doors open yeah. for a known amount of time yep. yeah, like a three-year period where they know that they'll be able to serve, serve others yeah and then you know in return you get invited to you know, special partner events and all that sort of stuff um, so that's a really good way to get involved as well if you don't necessarily have a lot of time or maybe you're not big on volunteering or you're a little bit introverted. Um, but, yeah, everyone there is fantastic. Um, they are absolutely the loveliest bunch of people that you'll ever meet. So I highly recommend everyone to, um, you know, get involved in some way and just to see what it's about. Yeah, because, I mean, it's funny that you should say, you know, if you feel a bit introverted there, my, putting myself in an environment where... You know, I'm unsure. I have no control over. Is always is always a big anxiety of mine, and um, I guess I think we all get afraid of doing it wrong, right? Like I don't want to go there and do it wrong, but that's such a terrible thought because it's like, well, you haven't even given yourself an opportunity. So my my thought would be like, what if you go there and you know you can't, you know, you, I don't have any skills in in preparing food. Like I'm not a chef. I've yep. I've never done any sort of serving work of any kind. And then my biggest thing would be, um, what if I got in the way? You know, what if I created more of a problem for people? Is there, is there say, would I stick? If I came down, would I stick with you for the first time? Or um, what sort of, I guess, introduction to all of that is there? Or is it just like, here's your um, apron sort of thing, and, and get to get to work, and we'll tell no, you. It's, it's definitely a a controlled environment, a controlled introduction. Um, so you would come along, especially at first. It's generally just about being there, just seeing what it's all about. Um, you know, you'd start off with the easy stuff, just handing out meals. Yeah, anyone can do that. You don't yeah. need any skill sets for that. 100%. You know, just to stand there and, you know, provide a, a warm, friendly face. Um, I know some people aren't cap maybe not capable of that. but <laughs> <laughs> Depends um, on the day. <laughs> but, you know, most people can smile and hand someone a meal. So, you know, that's, that's the most basic um, of human contact, um, just being there and providing that support. And then obviously, you know, if you've got skills in the kitchen, then, you know, you might do uh, cooking instead. Um, so it's not just about the meal service, um, which is what everyone, I guess, focuses on, but there's a huge support team behind that of cooks, um, of people that, clean. you know, there's, there's someone that does the roster. Mm. Yeah, we need people to clean. Like, oh, 
lot of people show up and they Especially go, oh, we don't want to clean. <laughs> no, I do that at home. I'm not scrubbing a dish. <laughs> I mean, well, someone's got to do it. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, most, most of the people are pretty good with cleaning. Um, I mean, now would be... So how, how has the COVID-19 situation affected the service? Has it slowed it down? Has it made it harder for people to... Have you noticed an impact? Um, it, I mean, it's definitely changed the way we do things. Uh, like I said, we it, it before COVID, it was, uh, you know, people come down and sit down and they could talk to their friends, talk to us, and, you know, we had a laugh and, and all that sort of stuff. Now it's a little bit more controlled. You know, they line up, they get their meal, and then they're on their way again. It feels a bit cold and <laughs> a bit prisonerish. like, here's your meal, move on. Yeah. Like. And, and look, we do our best to obviously try and not make it that way yeah. you know we still try and have a laugh and you know we cheer when someone walks down the driveway that we've we haven't seen for a while and yeah, cool. you know they're coming back and you know it's, it's, it's good to see them it's also good not to see them as well because it means they're doing well hopefully well that's a thing when i asked you know do you see the same faces i mean because then if you don't you the idea is that they no longer need the service yep. and they're doing providing for themselves and they don't need the hand uh the help at all um what type of food do you do you serve? Like, is it, because uh, it might be better than I'm eating at home. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Volunteering once a night sounds really good if it's uh, super appetizing. Uh, I, I guarantee the food is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, Lana and the other cooks are absolutely fantastic. Miracle and, makers. And they food. do some really good food. Like, there's, there's often nights where I, I'll eat first and then come out <laughs> and go, Man, I wish I had what they were having. Yeah, the food looks phenomenal. And so, I mean, Wednesday nights is there's generally different food on different nights. So we mix it up. Um, Wednesday nights always barbecue night, um, which is fun. And you know, but it, it does depend on what we're given. Yeah. Um, you know, we get a, some nights you'll get chicken, some nights you'll get burgers, um, some nights hot dogs. Um, Definitely always barbecue sausages when you come on a Wednesday. <laughs> and the sad thing is, Chris, I haven't even eaten yet and you're making me super hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so what I wanted to do also go over, Chris, was um, and you've worked there for quite some time, 2014. Yep. Is there a moment that stands out for you? Is there is there a point in the last, what's that, six years, right? Is it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Six or seven years, yep. right, coming up. Is there a moment for you that stands out when you go to bed at night, for example, and you're thinking of it, or just in general d during the day, you think, oh, yep, that is one moment that I can, that just warms you, warms your heart, that you would care to share? Um, I, I don't think this is just one moment. Like, it's hard to boil it down to, to a single moment or a single story. Um, you know, there's been some nights where, um, where we've had, people come through with young children and that that both breaks your heart but also when you know that you can help them or when you've been able to help them yep. um that's when i think it it really hits home and makes a difference like when i can come home and cuddle my kids and and know that i've helped someone else you know feed their their kid and put food in their bellies and and i know that they've got somewhere warm to sleep for the night um you know that's really nice um but also uh, long term you get some you know some success stories in that um, we've had a, a couple of blokes that started as patrons and, uh, you know, are now not quite full-time but uh, nearly full-time volunteers. Um, you know, they would volunteer every night of the week if they could. Uh, obviously, we've restricted it a little bit because of COVID, but, um, you know, they they started out homeless um, and through Mamalanas they actually found permanent housing and... 
uh, you know, a purpose in helping and volunteering to, uh, you know, better the lives of, of the people around them. Kind of passing on the gift that was given to them now to others and, and creating that same, uh, that, that same step that they were able to, to step up onto and, and find somewhere to live somewhere. Then to get work, obviously, and to help them and, and give back. Absolutely, yeah. Because I was talking to, uh, it's funny because I mentioned that I was interviewing you about, you know, just general things and, and Mama Lana's was going to come up and another friend of mine said he volunteers there as well. And I asked him the same question and I said, you know, is there a, is there a thing that, that stands out for you? And he says, you know, it's always, always distressing to know that sometimes when, you know, a whole family will come through with, with several kids will come through and you think, oh, if we weren't here, if this option wasn't available, yeah, if we weren't able to give and help, uh, you know, where would they where would they be right now? You know, what would they be eating? You know, exactly. Would, would they be going hungry another night? And and uh, although it's it, it's extremely you know heart wrenching to know that you know these people uh, need help, um, it's also so rewarding to know that if it wasn't for the service that you were providing and the fact that you'd volunteered your time, that this might never have happened. Yep. Because um, I do remember reading in in the paper, Mama um, Lana having some trouble with the like, trying to get the secure release or trying to secure a permanent residence. Do you remember anything about that? I remember I remember hearing of that, and it was like it was kind of like it was there was something stopping it, or there seemed to be some sort of bigger stress about it. Did you do you remember it? No, I I I don't really have a lot of lot to do with the I guess the procurement process or anything like that yeah um but i do know they were looking for a long time yeah um it took a while for i guess for the right premise to become available mm. um you know and and i don't even know if we'll stay where we are now like i think it's it's probably easy to say that we're outgrowing the spot that we are at at the moment um so definitely um i imagine Lana's probably looking for a, a bigger place with a bigger kitchen and yeah and a bigger dining room and more facilities that we can provide to people. And when um, you say outgrowing, out <laughs> is that because um, the situation of, you know, is getting worse or is that because just more people are feeling more comfortable or the word is out there more? Like, because I could imagine it would take time for the trust to build, um, for people to come down and trust the situations or to trust the environments. And do, do you reckon that the homeless situation, for example, in the you know, general area of Penrith is, is getting worse uh, or is just... Now we're able to able we're able to help more people. We're able to get that word out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a bit of both. Mm. Um, you know, being able to obviously help more people and and spreading the awareness, more people know about it, um, then they can get that help. But I definitely think with times the way they are at the moment, it's not getting better. <laughs> um, you know, there's more people than ever before that are out of work um, or on reduced hours, mm. um, and. You know, it, it's it's hitting people hard, and and even just uh, mentally speaking, you know, it's it's not necessarily about um, the finances, but how are they coping mentally with with life in general, and um, you know, paying the bills and staying on top of everything. Now, the psychological thing, now it's one thing to physically provide people with food and, and keep them full. What do Mama Lana's do in regards to keeping people, you know, I guess mentally fresh too? And, and is there someone there that is they're able to speak to that's maybe trained in helping with some of the mental health issues that could arise from um, from these situations or yeah there is we we do have a counselor that's associated with mama lana's um and so they can book in a session and come in and talk to her um but uh, also and and i think i said this before as well uh, sometimes it's just about 
you know, coming and, and seeing people that welcome you with a friendly smile. It, it's sometimes just about talking to fellow humans, not necessarily a counsellor, but just another person that says, hey, like, I'm here. I'm here to help. What do you need? And a lot of the times they just want to talk. You know, it, it's not that they need food. It's not that they need blankets or clothes. And, I mean, often they do, but sometimes it's just about having someone to talk to or someone to listen to them and to have other human contact. Yeah, I, I belonging and purpose, like that belonging. I think I think a normal human trait is to, to want to belong, right? We we have to find somewhere to connect. And, and if we if we can find a group of people who we feel comfortable and safe around, I think that is going to go a long way in helping a lot of the situations that arise from, from feeling left out and alone. Yeah, definitely. Because I couldn't imagine... Yeah, not having a place to to live and 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 feeling like I've got my myself sorted, and then also being doing or doing that alone without coming down and seeing you know your smiling face, for example. There, I mean, sometimes that might irritate me, Chris, but some <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> why is he smiling so much? You, you wouldn't be the first person that got irritated by my smiling face. <laughs> I think yeah, we're walking around the house, and your wife's like, "Why are you smiling? Get back to work." Um, so if you're there for like a, a volunteer session how long does that normally last like so run me through a typical day like you leave here normally at night right and so you yeah. do a session here and you'll go straight there yeah that's right uh, well um at the moment the nighttime service is uh is seven till eight um so we generally arrive at around six thirty and just set up um a team has already been in and done all the cooking yeah, for right. us uh, at the moment during COVID. Um, Otherwise, it's all sort of done during the one shift. But, um, yeah, we've got all the meals packaged up, ready to go um, in a, you know, a hot box, sort of a warmer. And, um, yeah, we open the gates and uh, hand out all the meals and have a chat to people and, um, you know, just give them what we can and do what we can for them. Yep. Um, obviously, in that small time frame that we can. And, yeah, then uh, we close up at 8 o'clock and... Uh, clean down and, and get out of there basically and so you you will arrive at six thirty. what time do you typically leave maybe eight thirty at nine o'clock yeah gen- generally we're out of there oh, it doesn't take too long to clean down at the moment yep um for all the bad things that come out of COVID, if if nothing else it's it's actually Efficiency. made us a lot more efficient yeah. <laughs> um, i've noticed that with a lot of businesses and then some of them <laughs> struggle with it <laughs> you know so pre-covid you know you'd have to clean up the dining area and sweep down and clean tables and and wash up as well because you know, we do a full table service with proper yeah. um, cutlery and um, plates and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, obviously trying to minimise waste as well is um, a big concern to us. Hard to avoid at the moment mm. um, and we've got to do everything takeaway. But, um, yeah, normally we would we would do all that sort of stuff and wash up afterwards and clean down. So usually it, it took a lot more time to clean up. But at the moment it's pretty, pretty quick. You just wipe down the, the bench top, sanitise everything. Um, and then get out of there. Now, if um, if somebody wanted to know some more information about ways of doing that, um, the step by step process, you would say like maybe follow on Facebook, maybe yep. visit the website, uh, yep. fill out the the information on there, and then just just come along. Uh, would someone contact them or call them or? Yeah, generally. Um, and because you said you've got like now the COVID stuff, you have got like shifts or a roster of yep. some kind. Um, they would just sort of call and, and ask for your preferences or would, would that be something that like, well, we've only got these spots available? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, 
usually like for for serving there's there's generally a lot of people on the permanent roster um but you know life gets in the way sometimes and not everyone can be there all the time so the best way to start i guess is to start as um just as a fill-in relief um just you know be there and um be ready to to fill in for someone when they're not able to make it um and that's just for serving as well you know obviously if you've got another skill set that you can offer um that's worth discussing with them and they can slot you in somewhere i can do a little workout with them (laughs) quick quick little personal training workout do a little workout after food yeah why not (laughs) get the gains for them (laughs) get the get the physical health well that's true i mean i think um you know health into mental health well exactly right we talk about how um how it's good to belong but it's also uh, a way of training as a way of helping you know relieve a lot of stress Yep. So it would be, it would probably impact. It wouldn't be a bad option, actually. We could do like a community gym, but the problem is people they, they get run down. So I've seen that happen in the past, uh, and options like that, they just get run down so quickly. Yep. Um, now, how many people a night would you typically serve, Chris? Uh, we generally give away about a hundred meals. Wow. A night. Um, so it's quite a few. And that's is that every day, Monday to Sunday, or is it just Monday to Friday? Uh, six days a week. So it's. Um, it's Monday to Saturday. Okay. And we're closed Sunday. It's over 600 meals a week you guys are yep. coming up with. Wow. That's phenomenal. I had no idea it was that many. Yeah. You think, oh, seven meals, eight meals? <laughs> so, yeah, e- even, even, you know, people cooking and, and donating food and um, all that sort of stuff is big. Um, yeah. You know, it helps a lot. Um, because, you know, otherwise we've got to buy that stuff, right? Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, we, we do, obviously, we, we're affiliated with Second Bite, um, which I think is Coles and Audi, um, and they give a lot to us, which is fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a couple of other uh, large organisations which give very generously um, in terms of food. But, uh, you know, it doesn't all necessarily always cover the full spectrum of things that we need. Um, you know, we always sometimes are just at the mercy of whatever's available. Um, so being able to ask the community for stuff and have them give us things um, to give out and to to cook with or to use um, is really critical to the ongoing success of Mamalamas. Yeah, no. Yeah, if anybody out there listening wants to uh, to get involved, how would they? So, that, would you mind them reaching out to you as well? Like, how would they reach out to you to, if they've got more questions, or if they've got something they want to speak to to you about, or that, you know they relate to what you said? Would you mind people reaching out to you and and following through? Oh, I'm always happy to talk about it. Yeah, but yeah. Um, definitely, I think that you know the best way to to get in touch is. Um, probably through the Facebook page, um, yeah. just because you know the admin team can sort of reach out to them, get in touch with them, and chat. Um, send them the the required documents. Um, obviously, there's a couple of checks that you need to go through as a volunteer, just to make sure that uh, you know you're right to work with uh, you know vulnerable people and people at risk. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so they send you all the, right, the correct information and just talk you through you know how you can help and and what we need at the given time. Yeah, and then so is it something that you um, do? You have any ideas on how to make this, uh, you know, a greater? Do you, is there any area that you would believe was lacking outside of meal service? Do you, you know, like apart from obviously accommodation and stuff like that, is that? Do you have any concepts in your mind of how to expand or extend what's happening now, or any ways uh, to help with that? Big question. Big question. <laughs> yeah. on the spot. Like, well, yes, Shane, I do. I have a, a whole document here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in the ideal world, if I had billions of dollars, then um, I'd solve a whole bunch of problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully the COVID-19 problem first, we could solve that. That'd, yep. that'd be a great start. So, but like, I mean, because, you know, sometimes you can see, 
there's a lot of things that get in the way I, I always find in situations like, this. like you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of shops that have wasted, wasted food and, and being able to give, you know, quite nutritious and healthy food away, I, fe- I always heard, and I, I could be wrong, there's always something that stands in the way. Like, you know, you, don't wanna, you obviously don't want to give people bad food, but if there's, like, for me, I'm thinking there's just so much waste. Mm. Like, is there, is there a way that businesses can donate or is there something out there that, that that can be a way around? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you just look at most places and the amount of waste, is there, is there any thought in your mind of how we can better even, even get more help to mamalanas or get more help to people who need it? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's some really great programs, as I mentioned earlier. You know, things like Second Bite. Um, what is Second know, Bite? What it, what is Second Bite takes leftover stuff that's still good, um, stuff that gets taken off the shelves, often fresh stuff. So, like you know, bakery products and and fresh produce that the stores would normally just throw away yep. um, because it's not sort of that same day fresh. Um, but you know, if you were to buy it and take it home, you'd keep it in your pantry for a week. It's exactly, what I mean. so, so it's fine. Would- that's um, what, that's exactly what I was talking about yeah. because people get so caught up like, oh, well, it's not fresh for us. Why would we give it away? Well, because I would generally buy it and take it home for two or three days before I consumed it. So it's not tes- necessarily bad, but going into landfill and just chucking it away into bins seems like a complete waste. Yeah. But th- those affiliate programs, I suppose, also help to make sure that the stuff gets directed to the right places at the right times um, because there's nothing worse than, I guess, um, people going oh well we don't want this we'll give it to charity yeah and then the charity then has to deal with maybe they didn't need that or didn't want that and then they have to deal with uh, you know disposing of that well, yeah isn't it? you see it all the time just with, solve um, the problem like say saint vinnie's or whatever people dump all their useless broken shit like yep. it needs to that does need to go to the dump yep uh, and they dump it in these areas and go it's your problem now i gave i did i did my part i gave to you and now it's your problem if yeah. you don't want it it's like and, and it happens at mamalana's as well which would, is yep. really sad like here's a bunch of shit i don't want to deal with you deal with it yep but then i was also on the other foot like i know there's a lot of places that would want to give like like that like you know stuff that I guess customers would expect a high people who are paying for it yeah. would expect a higher quality of freshness, for example. But it doesn't mean it's bad. Yep. Uh, and then being able to donate or give that away to people who need it, and then delegate where that goes. Yep. Yeah. And and definitely the best way to to go about it is to um, you know talk with um, you know Lana or um, you know Amy or Tracy. You know they they do a great job in sort of um, organising and and liaising for stuff to come in. Um, and and just to make sure that we can actually use it, um, exactly. so that it's not going to waste. Yeah. Because you know we uh, obviously we feel a great responsibility to all the stuff that comes in. If people give stuff to us, we don't want to waste it. Yeah, no. we want to make sure that it, it gets to where it needs to go. Yeah, beautiful. All right, Chris, is there anything else that you want to add for today? Is there anything that you uh, that you want to bring up specifically? No, I think I think that's pretty much covered everything. And I, uh, I want to thank you very much for even, even taking time out. Uh, not only do you take time out to help others, you take time out to spread the word. And I think that is that is a very, very important thing. Um, so from me, I want to thank you for all your hard work, uh, along with all the people that you work with and Mama Lana's. Um, and I hope that this podcast, this episode here can help, you know, just give one extra hand to, to help with the situation and maybe one extra dollar uh, or, you know, one extra support network from from for the former milanas or for people who need help so yeah thank you very much for all your help absolutely and thank you for having me like yeah mama Lana's is is a great cause and it's something that i'm very passionate about so um i'm really grateful to be able to come on here and uh talk 
about because it, it's not something that I necessarily like to, you know, like just bring up in everyday conversation with everyone like, oh, yeah, you should, you know, get involved with Mamalana's, like yeah. check out this place. Like it, I, I don't want to get in people's faces about it. That can do more harm than good sometimes. Um, you know, and it, it isn't, it's not about me sort of talking about myself and, and my involvement either. It's, um, you know, it's just letting people know that it's out there um, and that, yeah, they can get involved and there's a lot of different ways they can do that. Uh, and there's a great platform for that. So thank you. No, no, you're welcome. And, it, and it's so important for, for the people listening. If you do resonate with anything that Chris has said or anything that you feel that you could help for or help with, uh, make sure you get in contact with their Facebook page or their website. You want to do it one more time, Chris? What, what are those contacts? Uh, yep. So uh, the links are mamalanas.org.au um, or there's also turnthetables.org.au if you want to become a Turn the Tables partner. Um, and then there's the Mamalanas Facebook page. So it's Mamalanas Community Foundation on Facebook. Beautiful stuff. Thanks so much, buddy. I hope you have a good day. I hope all of you listening got something out of that. And I hope that now there are more people aware of the current situation because the worst thing that we can all do as humans is put our heads in the sand and ignore the things that are going on around us. And, and like you said, Chris, one of the best things that I got out of this is that communities are only as strong as their weakest link. And if we're not binding together in strength, uh, and in numbers, then we can't expect to go anywhere or to have have much in life. And I think that's an important message. And just supporting each other. Be kind to your fellow humans. Be kind to each other. More more now than ever is that a great statement considering the amount of stress being thrown at us left, right and centre with, with the current world situations, not even just you know local. Yep. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a good day. And everybody else listening, make sure you leave your feedback, comments, like, and subscribe to all of the People First podcast stuff. If you have a story that you would like to share with us or you would like to spread the word about, make sure you get in contact with us on our Facebook page, our Instagram page, or um, just directly message me. Have a good one, guys. Enjoy. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a great day. Thanks. Have a good one.